Every week, we go to the scriptures because it's there that the person and work of Jesus are most clearly revealed. Our sermon this week will be from Matthew 4. Hear the word of the Lord from the Gospel of Matthew. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds formed from, followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. Uh, good morning to you gathering uh, online with us as well. Uh, my name is Brandon, one of the pastors here at Sojourn Heights. Uh, if we haven't met, would love to meet uh, afterwards. Uh, I know your name, story, background, etc. So, uh, if you are uh, wanting to learn from Jesus how to live the Christian life, there's probably no better place to turn than the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so now, through Easter, we're going to be taking a deep dive into this central teaching from Jesus to learn uh, what it means to follow Him. Uh, but, but before we get there, uh, we're taking a few weeks, uh, last couple of weeks and today, uh, to look at a few passages that make our way into the Sermon on the Mount to, to lay a foundation, a foundation we need to have laid to be able to stand on as we enter into the Sermon on the Mount. And so last week, we looked at the baptism of Jesus, and we saw that in order to uh, live the teachings of Jesus, you have to know that you are loved by God, that if you try to live the Sermon on the Mount in order to become loved by God, the teachings will simply crush you. You have to live them from knowing that you are loved and therefore can go out and live and embrace the teachings of Jesus. And today we move on to another layer of the foundation uh, that we need to engage the Sermon on the Mount. And so let's, uh, let me start like this. When it comes to uh, self-examination, just examining our own lives, our own hearts, just sort of the state of who we are, uh, we tend to fall into one of three camps. Either one, uh, avoidance, two, deception, three, indulgence or being consumed. Uh, either we tend to avoid completely, right, uh, because generally speaking, being honest with ourselves about ourselves is incredibly difficult and we just rather not do it. Uh, we, we tend to deceive ourselves, or we get consumed with ourselves, find something wrong with us, and it just sort of consumes us, and we spiral into uh, self-pity, self-loathing, none of which, 
none of which will allow us to embrace and live the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has a better way. He has a better way. A better way that he spells out in our text today. And so we're going to get into our text, and here's what we're going to see. We're going to see the message of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, and how this better way leads us into the Sermon on the Mount. And so let's start with the message of Jesus in verse 17. This is how it begins. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here is the message of Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These are the exact words from John the Baptist one chapter before. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time expounding the message of Jesus right here because two weeks ago, this was the heartbeat of our sermon. I thought Paul did a bang-up job with it. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to it if you weren't, uh, if you weren't here or you didn't hear it. Uh, but I do think it's important to recap a couple of points from two weeks ago that will help us define what this word repent means and what repentance uh, is. In the end, it's going to prove important because it will require self-examination that does not fall into any of the camps we just described. So here's what we said um, a couple of weeks ago. Here's a short recap. One that to repent is a complete change of mind. It requires a complete turning. Um, And it's not self-pity. It's not wallowing in shame. So repenting of something is not self-pity. It is not just shame wallowing. So we we cannot be consumed with ourself. Repentance doesn't mean that we are uh, absolutely flooded, consumed with ourselves, spiraling into shame and self-pity but it does require the confession of sin. So we can't hide from ourselves either, and we can't deceive ourselves. Repentance requires the confession of sin, so we can't avoid all introspection completely. Why does it matter? Why does repent matter? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom is where someone has rule, reign, governance, This is true of earthly kingdoms, and it's true of the kingdom of heaven. And here, the king of heaven has come to earth. And so a better translation for at hand is that it has drawn near. Where the king of the kingdom is, he has brought the kingdom of heaven with him. The king of heaven, the kingdom of heaven has come to earth. And so I I want to talk a little bit about what the kingdom of heaven looks like and what it does not Because this week, what we all saw was the antithesis of the kingdom of heaven. Like many of you, I I watched the events at the Capitol unfolding and was stunned by what I saw. Though what you saw was kingdom of country, not kingdom of heaven. What you saw was not kingdom of heaven put on display. The kingdom of heaven is not a kingdom of nationalism. It is not a kingdom of human power. It is not a kingdom where earthly politics reign supreme. And I want to say this to my African-American brothers and sisters. 
to your African-American brothers and sisters. Seeing pictures of a noose. For me, was horrific and gut-wrenching. And I know that for many of you, it was traumatic. And I want you to know that we're sorry. That is not the embodiment of what Christ came to bring. A cursory glance at the readings of the Gospels will show you Jesus' humility and gentleness on display. The Sermon on the Mount is going to open where we are going to be next week Dodds is preaching and it opens, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek. Gentleness, humility, meekness, peacemaking, this is the way of Jesus, this is the way of his kingdom, this is the way of heaven. That is the kingdom of heaven brought to earth. And in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount is the Lord's Prayer. As we make our way through it, we want us to think of making our way to the uh, center of the, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount with the Lord's Prayer, and think of it as the pinnacle of the mountain, making our way up the mountain. And then we hit Lent, and we're going to come back down the mountain. But in the middle of the Lord's Prayer is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this every single week as we come to the table, that we might embody on earth your will, your kingdom right here. And so I, I do think that in light of this week, in light of this week, rather than simply feeling shock over what we saw, maybe, maybe we ought to be examining our own hearts. Maybe it ought to lead us to examine our own hearts and our own lives. Maybe we ought to be asking what is getting our affection, our allegiance, our worship? Maybe we ought to be a repenting people. Maybe we shouldn't deceive ourselves into thinking that their sin is so much worse than ours when we hoard our money and ignore our neighbor in need. Maybe we shouldn't deceive ourselves into thinking someone else's sin is that much worse than my addiction to porn. Maybe we ought to be examining our own hearts Maybe we ought to be identifying where we have offered allegiance, worship to kingdoms on earth, outside the kingdom of heaven. Maybe we ought to be examining our own hearts. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the message of Jesus. And now the mission of Jesus. Look down at verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So here in the mission of Jesus, we have this threefold demonstration of the kingdom. Teaching, preaching, healing. Teaching, preaching, healing. First, teaching in the synagogues. The synagogues were the uh, sort of the center of cultural life for Israel. It was where they came for worship, but much more than simply that and Jesus is showing up teaching and we know that his teaching would have been, hey, listen, you're, you're misreading. Let me show you how to rightly read the scriptures that you are uh, trying to teach. We know by the opposition, by the leaders of the synagogues that they would have not been a huge fan of how he was reading the scriptures and the collision that happened when he was teaching. And then he went around proclaiming, preaching, heralding the gospel of the kingdom. 
We need to see these words, gospel of the kingdom, and recognize something right here. That there is more to the gospel simply than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Certainly, those sit at the heart of the gospel, and it is what Paul zeroes in on repeatedly. But the gospel includes a king and a kingdom that was established through a king's cross. Kingdom of heaven here on earth, embodying the teachings of Jesus, is about living that kingdom of heaven on earth in our day. And they healed every disease and affliction. Disease, those are physical ailments, but the word affliction, it's much more than simply a reference to uh, what's wrong physically. Um, This word meant inner despondency. It was the emotional problems that Jesus came to heal much more than simply skin diseases. He came to heal the human soul. Came to bring about complete healing to the human soul. And by the way, what, what he was doing right here, going out and healing people who are viewed as outside the kingdom of heaven is a tangible demonstration of who the kingdom is for, but we're going to get to that in a minute. This is part A of the mission of Jesus, to establish a holistic demonstration of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Part B, who is this kingdom for? Let's keep reading. So his fame spread throughout all, uh, throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and, par- uh, uh, and the paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. His fame spread, made its way throughout the lands of the day, and here, Six geographies get named. Syria, a Gentile area north of Galilee. Decapolis, that means 10 cities, right? Decapolis, compound word, 10 cities. You guys know the decathlon, right? 10 events, 10 cities right here, Decapolis. These are Roman cities south and east of Galilee. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jordan, beyond the Jordan, Judea. These six geographies, they would have included Jews and Gentiles, the religious and cultural lines of the day. It would have included urban and rural, rich and poor. And in these six geographies, right at the outset of Jesus' ministry, here's what we see. We see Jesus coming for all kinds of people. We see Jesus coming for all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds. That there was not a particular class of people. There was not a particular ethnicity of people. There was not a Uh, geography that was um, off limits to the kingdom of God being established right here on earth, that in these six locations, here's what we see. We see the kingdom of heaven being for all. And again, in in light of this week, I want to confess something. I want to confess something to you in the hopes that it would spark some honest conversation among you. I want to confess that I like thinking about myself as educated, city, sophisticated, and globally engaged. I like thinking about myself that way. My hobbies are cycling, grilling good steaks, and as of last night, ribs. Economics, which were outstanding, by the way. 
and I'm going skiing next month. If this doesn't scream privilege, I don't know what does. And I found it easy to turn on the TV and think, if you could just get beyond your town and see the world on a larger scale, you wouldn't be doing this. In other words, I found it easy to say, if you were just more like me, And any time we look at people and think, if you were just more like me, we've lost sight of who the kingdom of heaven is for. Because the kingdom of heaven is not for people like me, it's not for people just like you or just like anyone, it's for people from cities and the countrysides, rich and poor, educated and illiterate. The kingdom of heaven is here to be established for all, and the mission of Jesus was to establish a kingdom that transcends all earthly kingdoms, including and especially the kingdom of me. One where the preaching and teaching and healing of Jesus are freely offered to every man, woman, and child, regardless of your place or status in society. And I, I want to say this to our church, to you, to you our Sojourn Heights members at home. I, I wanna say this. I think that of all the things that we do well, I think this is one of them. I think one of the things that our parishes, meaning you, our people, do well, is you embody consistently and you demonstrate consistently the hospitality of Jesus' kingdom for anyone and everyone, irrespective of their background, irrespective of their income, irrespective of where they come from. And it is a beautiful sight to see. It is a beautiful sight to see, to watch you embody and demonstrate the kingdom of heaven in this way. The message of Jesus was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The mission of Jesus to establish a kingdom for men, women, and children from all spaces and places in society. Now, how does this connect to the better way and how does it connect to the Sermon on the Mount? We'll, we'll jump back to verse 19. Back in verse 19, this is what Jesus said. And he said to them, Peter and Andrew, both fishermen by trade. So let's, I, I do think that we can make too much of this analogy. But here's what he said. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. Peter, Andrew, follow me. Follow me. Two words that come after the words repent for the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Follow me. Follow me. Listen, I, I know, I, I know you guys know Peter and Andrew. I know y'all know about Moses who led Israel out of Egypt and through the Exodus. I know y'all know about Moses who led Israel out of bondage of slavery and right up to the promised land. Follow me. Follow me. I'm bringing about a new and true exodus, a delivery not just from slavery but from sin and death itself. And not right up to the promised land but into the promised land, into a promised land where you will be a city on a hill and a light to the nations. And you know what life in the promised land looks like? The Sermon on the Mount the Sermon on the Mount. But here's what this is going to mean, Peter and Andrew. It means 
follow me. Not into political power, but right up to a cross. Follow me, not into political power, but right up to a cross, where on that cross, the sea of God's judgments and justice are going to be parted for you, but not for me. Me, like Egypt, I'm going to be swallowed up by it so you don't have to. Follow me, I'm bringing about a new and a true exodus because the way of the kingdom is the way of the cross. The way of the kingdom is the way of death for my enemies. And in my kingdom, we don't storm at capital buildings. We storm the gates of hell, not with fury and rage, but with peace and joy. And in my kingdom, the weapon is repentance. Repentance that leads to prayer and love, mercy and meekness. You see, Sojourn, we, we have somebody to follow. And it's no earthly politician. It's the king of heaven. And following him leads to a life of repentance. Repentance that creates a humility and meekness in us. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus will say. To live the Sermon on the Mount, it takes a life of repentance. Embodying the kingdom of heaven, it takes a life of repentance. In 1517, Martin Luther nailed on the Wittenberg door 95 theses, 95 statements about the Christian life, and his first one, where he opened the gates. He opened the gates, quoting Matthew 4:17 with this, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he called for the entire life of believers to be one of repentance the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. And so maybe today we need to embrace that and ask where we need to repent. What do I need to repent of? What, what sits inside my own life, inside my own heart that I need to be repenting of? Rather than simply scrolling social media today, maybe you should be asking the Lord what you need to be repenting of. Maybe we need to open up our hearts to our brothers and sisters and to the Lord and ask, what do I need to be repenting of today? What do I need to be confessing? Maybe our parishes need to devote some time today to confession and repentance, even if it's over Zoom. Probably not meeting outdoors today. Maybe we need to open up the floodgate of confession and repentance with one Another, And if you are new to Sojourn and you're not plugged into a parish, we're going to plead with you over and over and over and over again to get into one and not just simply be in one, but to open your life up to others so they can speak into your life so that you can see what you need to repent of. Because listen, life solo, it's hard to know what to repent of. It can become more clear when we're willing to listen to brothers and sisters. And listen, I know how difficult that is. I'm the chief among us at knowing how difficult that is. But it's a life of repentance that is the road to living the teachings of Jesus. It is a life of repentance that is the road to living the Sermon on the Mount. It is the road, the road to living the teachings of Jesus as a people embodying together the kingdom of heaven right here on 
earth. Repentance is the way of the kingdom. It is the way of heaven. It is how we demonstrate the hope, joy, peace, love, humility, meekness, peacemaking of the gospel. Maybe today, maybe today we, we don't scroll and watch and judge someone else, but maybe today we, we, we look at our own hearts and we ask what we need to repent of today. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the men, the women, and the children that make up Sojourn Heights. Thank you for the way that our people so often, your people so often and so consistently embody the kingdom of heaven. It is such a beautiful sight to see, and it is a sweet grace. I pray that today, today, we would ask honest questions, examine our hearts honestly. And that we wouldn't simply look on at the world in shock, but we would examine our own hearts asking what we need to repent of today. Where do we need to turn again and again and again away from sin and toward Christ our Savior? Help us. That will require your mercy, your grace, and the empowerment of your spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.